Welcome to the Exploring the New Department of Defense Zero Trust Strategy, a podcast with Verizon and Zscaler, hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. At the end of 2022, the DOD shared its new Zero Trust Strategy, highlighting four key goals, which are Zero Trust Cultural Adoption, DOD Information Systems, both secured and defended, Technology Acceleration, and Zero Trust Enablement. With several federal agencies releasing zero trust frameworks and strategies, breaking down the guidelines and building a roadmap that establishes greater zero trust maturity is essential. But with so many zero trust models out there, which one is best to help the DOD secure their infrastructure? And today we're joined by Wes Withrow, who's the Public Sector Solutions Executive with Verizon, and Patrick Perry, Senior Director Strategic Initiatives at Zscaler, who will be discussing this topic further. And Wes and Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be on. Thank you. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Glad to be here again. Yeah, likewise. And let's go ahead and kick it off from the top. So the DOD released its Zero Trust Strategy really at the end of last year. And can you share what this document is and why it's really needed? And we'll start with Wes on this. Yeah, so let's start with the second part of that question, why it's needed. So... Agencies have bought into the vision of zero trust, but they needed guidance on how to develop that strategy. So if you go back and look at the executive order that was released back in May of 2021, that laid out the vision. And then underneath that, there were about 138 requirements that flowed down into the different agencies. And that those agencies, one of those was to start to lay out strategic roadmaps. So to summarize what this document is doing is to help providing guidance on how to develop that strategy. So what's in the doc? So at a high level, it lays out four strategic goals, which are zero trust culture adoption, DOD information assurance systems that make sure they're secure and defended, technology acceleration, and zero trust enabled. What I really like about this document and how it's built off the documents in the past up to this stage is that it lays out these high-level capability roadmaps for the DOD for fiscal year 2023 to 27. So you have about 23 different objectives. But when we you know, really kind of when the rubber meets the road, what I like the most about this is that it shows agencies how to develop a zero-trust capability model. So think of it as where they've laid out seven pillars, 45 different core capabilities that map up to those pillars. And then it shows agencies these different three different target levels within these high level capability roadmaps. So now agencies can take that zero trust capability model and start to map out where they are within those three target levels. And those three target levels, one is called target level ZT. Think of that as like the entry level. Target and advanced level ZT, think of that as it, you know, kind of at second level and then advanced ZT where, you know, you are much further along in the process. So again, what's in the document is the four strategic goals, but really it starts to help agencies lay out these high level capability roadmaps for the next four to five years. That's great. Thanks, Wes. Patrick, anything to add to that one? Yeah, I think Wes really explains it well, you know, and I think. You know, just to pile onto that, I think it's so important that, you know, what they were really trying to get after was kind of shine a little bit of light to the nebulous thing that zero trust is and how is the DOD going to start aligning its resources and its prioritization against it. And unfortunately, because of, again, all that, there is a lot of guidance out there, not only for just zero trust, but the document does point out that this is just one other strategic guide 
in a, you know, a larger set of strategic guides, like their ICAM strategy and their cybersecurity strategy and their artificial intelligence strategy, et cetera. But it's really important for, you know, the different mill depths across the DOD to know, okay, but hey, what are we really trying to achieve? What are those effects? And how are we going to align and prioritize the resources against that? And the document does take an extra level of effort to really kind of exemplify what they were trying to do. So it's not nearly as nebulous as what, unfortunately, what Zero Trust kind of meant to a lot of organizations. That's great. Thanks, Patrick. So really, with many different federally sponsored Zero Trust strategies out there, how are defense agencies able to digest them and see really what works best for them? And, you know, Patrick, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, no, I think that's an important thing because, again, there are a lot of strategies out there, not just Zero Trust, but even, again, cyber risk strategy and ICAM and everything that will have a direct linkage back to Zero Trust. And it's really important for them to, again, create synergy between these efforts and align the resources. There is, it's no hidden factor that we got a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of things to accomplish and therefore there's a finite resources amount of time to get after it. So trying to look at some of these things in their own separate silos and not working them together can end up creating, you know, kind of duplicate effort on a number of different things. I think it's really important for, you know, the different mill depths, the different defensive agencies is to kind of take this as that overarching strategic guide, provide the principles of what it's really trying to get after. And then in good old military fashion, you know, layer on what they like to always call, we can add to, but we can't take from to achieve everything desired there and even more. So while there are, you know, the 140, 150 or so zero trust capabilities in there, I think a lot of organizations are going to start seeing, well, if we align this with the ICAM strategy and the cybersecurity strategy, we actually can compile all these things together and see a common 90 to 100 different items that they need to get after. But then also there is the unique ones of those different strategies that if they do it all together, they can kind of get that 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 removal and duplication of effort and really optimize. And then finally, the last thing I'll just kind of toss out there is each build up will also have to account for their you know, primary uh, area of operations. So the Air Force and the air and the Navy and across sea and Army on the land and Space Force at the space, they all have their kind of unique scenarios that they're going to have to kind of weave into that. But that's why it'll be important that each service mill depth, again, layers that on, which I believe the Air Force and the Army, I've seen those ones. I can't remember if I saw the Navy. All right. Good stuff, Patrick. Wes, anything to add to that one? Yeah, and I liked how Patrick talked about alignment, right? Because one of the things that, you know, that has been happening in the industry is agencies have been trying to figure out which one of these models to align to. And when you look at this particular DOD guidance document on strategies, probably one of the most mature I've seen in terms of laying out how people can attack a strategy over a timeline. So one thing to do, because there's so many different models out there, I mean, you have the luxury of plucking things from those different models and stitching them together for your own use. But one of the things we typically recommend that agencies do is create their own zero trust capability model and make that fit on the slide. And here's how to visualize it. It looks like a Jeopardy board, okay, on one slide where you take the seven pillars that are in this DOD strategy document. They're running across the top of that slide that it looks like they you know, horizontally and then map those 45 capabilities up to those, right? So they're going vertically. And then what you can do is you get a cross-functional team together and get them in a room and have them color code 
each of those core capabilities, green, amber, and red. So for example, you could call her green, anything that you've reached that advanced ZT level that I talked about earlier, color code that green, you're in good shape. Anything that you call her code amber, you're at that target and advanced level CT, okay? And anything where you have significant deficiencies, right? You talk, you hit that as red, which is that entry level that I spoke about earlier, target level ZT. So you get these cross-functional teams to take a look at this zero trust capability model, and you can use that as the sheet of music to get everyone alive, like Patrick mentioned, to understand what your current mode of operation is, to help map out what your future op- mode of operation is going to be. Thanks, Wes. So really, let's talk about barriers. So what are some of the potential barriers for agencies as they try to adopt and really implement this DOD zero trust strategy? And Wes, we'll actually stick with you on this one. All right. So here's the biggest barrier, in my opinion. It's agreeing on the definition of what zero trust is and what it isn't. Again, this is all very new, right? So over the last year, right, we've seen, you know, this groundswell of zero trust taking shape and, you know, Right after the executive order, we were talking with a lot of agencies who were going, hey, we're at our own five-yard line. How do I throw a Hail Mary into the end zone and say I accomplished zero trust? But now, over the last year, people have become more educated and the, the DOD is now coming to the supplier community and saying, what is your definition of zero trust and how can you help us achieve our mission? So to the suppliers out there in the industry, it's just as new right? It's kind of ill-defined in a lot of areas. And then you're just seeing it starting to make it into people's marketing slicks. So it's early stage. So here's what I would do. I would encourage the DOD and their suppliers to create a zero trust capability model, like I talked about previously, that one slide looking jeopardy, right? And make sure that you're having your suppliers map their capabilities to that model, right? It's, hey, prove it. Prove you know your capabilities. Prove you know the definitions. So we can get aligned to that. So essentially the foot in the door should be and begin with, show me your capabilities and how they map to a model and then give me the definitions of what zero trust is. So that way we can align on those definitions where we go further down. Awesome. Thanks, Wes. Patrick would love your take on this one. Yeah. I think what Wes explained was incredibly important and especially important for a document that's a strategy guide. So I'll I'll go ahead and take the angle of kind of getting into some of the little nuances that I see as barriers. And one of them being is what does the military already do to already provide a security infrastructure and an access infrastructure in their environment? How do they weave this into that? You can't just obviously rip and replace everything you've been doing, not just from a technology standpoint, but a people and process standpoint. One example specifically that, you know, most of the IT infrastructures of the military are all ran on these ATOs that are built against systems of measurements called CCRIs. And those things take up a lot of time and a lot of resources to validate what they currently are calling their security posture. And everything has to ship with this zero trust strategy. It can't just be meet this capability, but hey, commanders, the people that own all this stuff, how will you be measured that you're maintaining the security posture? as you have been. So I see that as a a big barrier uh, that's going to, again, conflict not only on the strategy itself, but also back to those resources. How do people determine where to align their resources and keep things fluid? Another thing is, again, 
the strategy document has some great information and great examples. And it does call things out very specific. But unfortunately, sometimes when you put very specific words into action like that, things could be misconstrued or misunderstood, or even you box yourself into what you think is the best kind of capability while industry has already evolved something. And I think that could end up becoming a barrier too, because when you think of a strategic guide that's mapping out how to get after things for the next two to three years, you don't want to kind of hamstring your organization in your strategy on the name of a capability. And just to pluck one out, like user inventory, when maybe in a few years ago, a few years from now, that actual attribute or capability will be irrelevant with how technology works next. So I think that is also something that the DOD will need to take in account and stay fluid in continuously improving on this strategy guide. That's great. Thanks, Patrick. So really, what is your all's perspective on how agencies can turn this document into an executable guide or really a roadmap for their particular agency? And we'll actually stick with Patrick on this one. Yeah, I think actually the document takes pretty painful steps to kind of do that form. It really, again, it'll, you know, as Wes pointed out, it aligns these different targeted and targeted advanced different capabilities, even it gets a timeline. Hey, the DOD wants to achieve these certain things by these certain times, which kind of gives them a roadmap. But what the individual agencies will have to kind of figure out is, okay, hey, we still have what most um, the military will perceive as you have your strategic level, your operational level, and your tactical levels. So how do we fragment and or unify those approaches to meet all these things? The last thing they're going to want to do is, you know, have one combatant command in one area of operation going after zero trust for their tactical deployments in a unique way that actually contradicts the mill depths, train, man, and equip mission in the enterprise environment. So I think that will be the let's just say the sausage making of trying to get after this. But I think the roadmap is almost kind of built into this. Now it's all about how do we align it to the reality of our operations and our alignment of personnel and equipment. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Wes, would love your take on this. Yeah. So, and, and Patrick addressed it perfectly. So we start talking about, you know, we talked about that, you know, how using a capability model drives execution, right? You throw that on a slide, but a slide's never stopped the cyber attack, right? So a lot of agency would know, hey, what can I do in the interim to get prepared for all of this? So if you're telling me that fiscal year 2023 is planning and preparation, what can I do today in the interim to get moving? Okay. And so there's typically about three things that you can do to get started. There's a lot more than just three, but here's where we try to set people up for success, right? The first is try to get an inventory of your assets at least 95% accurate. It's a pretty big stretch goal, right? Your configuration management database. And the reason why is once you start to move into a zero trust environment, there's going to be a couple of things that start to happen. There's going to be entity-based risk scoring or dynamic risk scoring where each device and end user and application is going to have a risk score. And then there's going to be conditional access control to those applications and devices. So what's going to happen is the more accurate your inventory is for your CMDB, so the more prep work you do there, better the algorithms are when you start to implement a lot of the zero trust solutions, because they're all going to be dependent on, like I said, risk scoring at conditional base access. The second 
is create an inventory of assets that you think are going to be displaced when you start moving into zero trust, right? So for example, you're about to see this massive exodus of hardware leaving the shelves of your facilities because of moving to the cloud and the adoption of security, because those are going to start to run in parallel. So for example, when you move to the cloud, you're going to start to see a lot more of the implementation of solutions like Secure Access Service Edge. And the third thing, and this is sometimes painful to talk about, but it's always appropriate for the conversation because it always surfaces, is work with your finance team. So as you're going through and get an inventory of your assets, right, get the net book value of those assets. So if those assets are going to be displaced by solutions like Secure Access Service Edge, like your web proxies, your VPN concentrators, make sure that you work with your finance team to understand that they're displaced what the value is because you're going to have to build the business case to take back to the business to explain to them why moving to zero trust architecture makes sense financially as well too. All right, that's great. And for our last question is where can agencies go with zero trust really from using the new DOD zero trust strategy and the starting point? And really, in other words, what does the future hold? And we'll stick with Wes on this one. All right, so... Yeah, I kind of beat to death, right? The zero trust capability model as a starting point and identifying where you are within those three target levels. That's a great start. But in terms of the future, right? So yeah, I just spent about a week in Mexico and you know, I was trying to figure out, right, going out on a canoe with a child, how to get the right waves without getting knocked into the coral. And it's kind of like looking at the way you know, we've been watching this groundswell wave from the you know, zero trust starting to come to shore. And so when you look at really kind of where we're at right now for 2023, it's about planning and preparation. So just taking every step every day to make incremental progress, because there are going to be some few early adopters in 2023 to do implementation, but it's primarily going to be planning and preparation. We're going to do a lot of evaluating different original equipment manufacturer solutions. But 2024 is where you're going to see a significant amount of change in implementation, particularly as people are moving to the cloud. They're going to be required and in flight putting in place the security to run with. So 2023 is planning preparation. But 2024, you're going to see a significant impact when it comes to implementation, modern solutions aligned to zero trust. That's great. Thanks, Wes. Patrick, would love your take on what the future holds. Yeah, I think, you know, with Zero Trust really kind of, again, becoming a strategic initiative, not only in the DOD, but across all the USG, I think the future holds the cultural shift and the operational alignment of what IT security, you know, a lot of people will say is cyber as a domain of warfare. That's what we're kind of really seeing out here now is that IT is not just the supporting function and the security of your environment is not just a supporting function, but it's actually a domain. And therefore, this zero trust strategy is really not just how do I, you know, secure my IT devices anymore. When you really get underneath the hood of it, we're talking about concepts of maneuver, you know, military maneuver within this domain, which I think is really going to change its place at the table of senior leadership. So I think the future is very bright in cyber and IT and IT security, because people are now starting to relate the way that we work and the way that we secure our environment 
in the IT and the data world is very akin to the physical world where we, again, we need to have these security aspects. We need to have an adaptive security. We have to constantly learn from what the enemy is doing because security is not about securing good people and maybe stopping, you know, good people from making mistakes. Security is all about stopping bad people from doing bad things to your environment. And that's not a, you know, a one and done or check the box or, hey, set and forget. We'll reevaluate this every once in a while. This is a daily mindset shift. And I really think, you know, the adoption of this term of zero trust and this zero trust strategy guide is driving it home from a cultural perspective. And as Wes pointed out, there's four main goals in the strategy guide. The capabilities fall underneath one, but the alignment of talent and culture and everything are part of those other ones. And to me personally, that's where zero trust is really taking in the future and what is, you know, opportunistic and how things will be changing. That's great. What a great way to conclude the Exploring the New Department of Defense Zero Trust Strategy, a podcast with Verizon and Zscaler, hosted on Government Technology Insider. We're Wes Withrow, who's the Public Sector Solutions Executive with Verizon, and Patrick Perry, who's the Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives at Zscaler, provided a deep dive perspective on all things about the DOD Zero Trust Strategy. And Wes and Patrick, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Matt and Wes. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Likewise.